Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hello again, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. It's episode 222 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. And that's www.clnsmedia.com. Follow us on Twitter at CLNS Media and on Facebook at facebook.com slash CLNS Media. Of course, you can follow me at Trags, T-R-A-G-S. want to welcome back Mike Giardi of NBC Sports Boston. Last time we spoke, Mike, uh, and I hate to bring this up, but I'm sure you know where I'm going to go with this. As soon as we concluded the podcast, you said, hey, did you see what happened to Gordon Hayward? And yeah. as a matter of fact, um, I was watching, you know, the Celtics season opener uh, in Cleveland. And, you know, we were both shocked and we were kind of doing the podcast uh, as we were watching that uh, story unfold. And it was just shocking. And, and I know this is a football podcast, but are you shocked at the way the Celtics uh, have essentially just lost one game after that and have been on the run they're on? I mean, it's remarkable, Mike. I mean, I think we immediately after the injury to Hayward, and I know they were fighting that game and, and brought it down at the end before losing, thinking, ah, oh, man, you know, like, here goes the, the chance to be Eastern Conference finalists again and maybe get a shot at Golden State, most likely in the NBA Finals. And, you know, with the, the collection of players you had and some of the young players, you know, like, hey, they, they can make it interesting at least. And you're trying to reassess your, your evaluation and what can they be. Are they good enough to even get out of the first round? And uh, Which I thought was a little bit premature because I still think you're looking at Kyrie uh, as one of the you know five or six best players in the league. But that was what they've done since. It's remarkable. It's a real, uh, it's a real credit to Brad, but it's a credit to the players too. You know, just, all right, we lost somebody important. He guy, But we got talent here. Let's just let's move on and forge our own way. And they certainly have done that. Obviously, it's a different dynamic than the NFL because you only need five players at a time. Um, and, yes, there's a lot of team play involved in basketball. Nobody is disputing that. But it's a totally different beast uh, in football where, you know, one guy goes down aside from uh, that guy not being number 12. Uh, the Patriots have been able to, to essentially over the years do the same thing. And everybody thought that, you know, when Gronk went down last year or a couple of years ago when they uh, had injuries galore, uh, they wouldn't make it to the AFC championship game. They did, of course, the Patriots this year lose Julian Edelman, 
uh, in Detroit uh, with that bad ACL injury, and they've had obviously a lot of nicks and bumps and bruises uh, since then. They've you know lost Malcolm Mitchell. Everybody wondered where is Tom Brady going to go with the passing game, but he's made it managed just fine, right? Yeah, it's uh, you know I, it really is when you think about you know obviously you have to give credit to Brady for being just on another level and continuing to be on another level at the age of 40 years old and, and, and doing what he did to, you know, Oakland, Jack Del Rio. I mean, he started licking his chops and they fired the defense coordinator after that. You might want to think about firing Del Rio because uh, I don't think you're ever going to beat a Tom Brady team with Del Rio as your head coach. But uh, they just they find ways to reinvent themselves. I think they certainly started to hit their stride offensively uh, in the sense that I think there's a – there's a dynamic there. They're more balanced. They've, they've, they've given the ball to Deion Lewis a little bit more. I think that's made a difference. But they're utilizing a bunch of different guys, and I think they're starting to sort of carve out their identity more so than what it was, you know, in the immediate post-life after Julian. Um, and I'm, I'm really kind of excited to see, see where it goes because I really think they're still sort of just scratching the surface on, on what they may be before all said and done. That's not what you're really most excited about, Mike. You know, and I know, what you are most excited about this weekend. It's happening in San Francisco, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I, now there's rumblings that he's not going to play, so I, I don't know yeah. what, you know, I mean, if i got to get on a playing track, <laughs> i got to go out there and talk to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, man to whatever they are at this point, <laughs> I'll do it. I mean, I'll, I will take one for the, for the Garoppolo team, and I'll get out there and I'll make things happen. Dude, uh, you know, you just saw on Monday night um, Matt Ryan light that defense up. And obviously it's yep. a defense now without Richard Sherman um, and without a lot of other pieces uh, back there as well. Uh, don't you think this would be – and it's at home. Don't you think it would make sense to have Jimmy G start that game? I totally – we're kicking around the idea, like, why wouldn't you do it? And the only thing I can really – well, there's two things I thought. But one is that Beathard is coming off a couple of decent performances and maybe they just don't want to send the wrong message. Like, hey, the kid, kid the rookie quarterback hasn't done anything for us to say, you know what, sorry, you're going to go sit down. Um, you know, sort of protect the – you play well, you're going you're gonna to perform well, you're going to play. Um, and my other thing was just thinking that the, the offensive line and Beathard's taking some salacious shots over yeah. the last couple of weeks. It's just so shady that they're just like, you know what? We believe that this guy's our franchise quarterback, but we're not willing to put him there just yet to get him killed. So, I don't know. I, either way, I think you still got to kind of find out if you're them, don't you? I mean, they, 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 they send all kinds of signals that they want to get this thing done with him long term. But at some point, if you're going to commit that kind of money, don't you got to at least try him out a little bit, see how it looks? Have you been in touch with the Garoppolo camp or sources – uh, close to the situation out there, out there, Mike. And yeah. you got a sense yes, for, yes, yeah. And what's the sense uh, for Jimmy out there? Is he chomping at the bit? I I don't know about you, but in my read of Jimmy over the years, he has always struck me as roll with the punches, take it as it comes. You know, I'm going to do my job. And mind you, that's behind maybe the best quarterback that's ever played. But he's always seemed to express himself with a temperament of I'll take what comes and I'm not going to force the issue. Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely, look, he, he, he definitely wants to play. I think, you know, he definitely wanted to play the last couple of years. 
Um, but as you mentioned, there's a certain guy that was in front of him here in New England. This is a different situation. But one of the things and one of the senses I got from talking to people um, around him was that, look, all right, if this is the, if this is the route they're going to go and if they're going to continue to be patient, then this just gives Jimmy more time to, you know, dive into the playbook, um, get more familiar with, with the system and watch more tape and do all the things that he can do to make himself as ready as possible when they finally do go in his direction. So uh, it, it's certainly not wasted time for him, but at the end of the day, like anybody else who, who strives to be great, you want to actually go out there and, and do it. You want to go do it with your new teammates. So uh, he's anxious, but he's making the most of the time that he's, uh, you know, the time that they're giving him right now to, to, to get as much up to speed as he possibly can, considering he joined the team halfway through the year. Well, we're on the subject, uh, Mike, of other quarterbacks in the NFL not named Tom Brady. Um, what the hell is Sean McDermott doing in Buffalo? And did you read the quote? Because I, I tweeted this out this morning when I read that quote from Mike Rodak of ESPN out in Buffalo, that at some point when you have a rookie quarterback, you have to get an idea of what you have down the road in the future. Well, you have Tyrod Taylor, who is playing reasonably well. That is, to me, like the biggest backhanded slap of, yeah, we we need you now, Tyrod, but we are depending on Nate Peterman down the road. Do you not read that the same way? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, I think they've been looking for a lot of different reasons over the last couple of years to move on from Taylor. I think Taylor is perfectly fine. You know, he's probably somewhere in the – in the middle of the pack when you're, when you're talking about NFL quarterbacks. Um, but I think they felt like this is him. Like what you see now, he's not getting any better. Right. This is the player that he is. And there's a bunch of people in there that were certainly in the Peterman camp. Now I like Peterman a lot. I liked him coming out of the draft. The Patriots actually, uh, I don't know if they had him in for a visit, but I know they spent some time with him. Um, so they had a little bit of an affinity for him as well. But to me, the, the idea that you're five and four, and granted, you know they come off a couple games where they're rugged offensively, and it, you know the the the, the 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 moles in Buffalo were saying, well, he doesn't push the ball down the field at all. And, well, I think part of that is you kind of look at some of the people that are around him. They get rid of their best deep threat in Sammy Watkins, so you're 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 missing your best guy from a year ago, the guy who made big plays for you when he was healthy. And then I I just think five and four, with the AFC is you know as there's a lot of spots that are still up for grabs. To make that move is just is or whatever five three whatever they do made, made no made no made no sense to me. It didn't it didn't make any sense. The timing of it I think was really really poor. If you if you lost four or five in a row and it's getting away from you and you say you know what that's it we're going to Peterman he's going to get the last three or four games that makes sense. But with them being a plus five hundred team at the time. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. The only reason you don't make, the only reason you make a move like that and and move away from Tyrod Taylor is if you think he's not working hard, showing up, and really studying the playbook and working with his teammates. If you get a sense that he's lost the offense in that regard, then you make the switch. I totally get it. But to to panic, it just smells of since two the year 2000 of such a panic typical bills move trying desperately to do whatever they can to reach the patriots level or even get uh within their shadow um that it, it just backfired last week in la badly oh i mean it was a disaster and then now you're like look obviously 
uh, if the kid has any, Peterman has any sort of uh, of moxie, which I, I think he clearly had to have, having started as many games to hit and performing at a reasonably high level there at a major college program, that, that he should. But I just, I mean, that couldn't have that couldn't have been scripted any more horribly <laughs> for the Bills. And then you know, you mentioned McDermott. McDermott today, the the roadback thing that stuck out to me too was the what do you say? Something we're in the hunt like eight times. Well, if you're Thanksgiving right. and you're in the hunt, then you're in the hunt. And then if you're in the hunt, then you're, then you have a chance. And if you have a chance, then you're still in the hunt. It's like, dude, are you okay? <laughs> like, uh, you, you seem like it's unraveling on you a little bit. Are you, are you going to be all right here? You seem like, I don't a know. Coach. It, it, it struck me as odd. Very odd. You seem like a coach who's not trying to convince his team they're on the hunt. You seem like a coach trying to convince yourself to convince your team that they're in the hunt. That's what that smelled of to me. And I, that's, a, that's perfect. Yeah, that is perfect. We and, that's speak- a, and, that's a, and that's a problem, yeah. It's a huge problem. We're speaking with Mike Giardi, a Patriots reporter covering uh, the New England team like nobody else for NBC Sports Boston. Listen up, Hoops fans. Basketball season is back. And now that your favorite hardwood heroes have returned to action, it's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to test and win huge cash prizes. Do so every night playing one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. Choose from public contests with huge cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against your friends. They've even got beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. The best part? You get to draft a new team each day. And drafting a team is arguably the best part of fantasy. The only thing better, of course, winning cash doing it. Just ask Dan from St. Louis or Jeremy from Austin. They both turned a $3 entry into a thousand bucks. Huge cash prizes and bragging rights await only at DraftKings. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com to play free for your first deposit uh, for your share of $10,000 in total prizes tonight. Do not wait. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com now to choose your lineup, and you can seriously cash in tonight. That's code CLNS only at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Again, speaking with Mike Giardi. NBC Sports Boston doing a marvelous job along with Tom Curran, Tom E. Curran, and Phil Perry covering the Patriots for NBC Sports Boston. Okay, uh, we've been down this path a few times before, Mike. The Tom Brady managing injury scenario in the second half of the season. Um, The injury report came out Wednesday. He was not at practice. He was one of six Patriots not practicing the day before Thanksgiving. They list him with an Achilles injury. Your level of concern? Um, I mean, I would say based on on Tom and his uh, his ability to play through a lot of different things over the years, it's fairly low. Um, you know, I went back and watched the game over again quickly to just see if I could decipher a point in which you know he took a hit. But I mean, they kept the pocket pretty clean for him. He got sacked once, hit only a couple more times, and I didn't notice anything. So, look, I, I, I mean, we can. His performance is that of a twenty-something-year-old. You know, he's 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 forever youthful and he's playing great football. But no matter what you do to the body, the body is still forty. So maybe that's just part of it. Um, and look, as you well know, Mike, I haven't covered that team for a long time. Covering the sport, 
uh, it's virtually impossible to make it through a season without uh, getting nicked up to one level or another. So maybe this is just one of those lower level things. I have no doubt in my mind that he'll be out there on Sunday and, uh, you know, we'll just have to, we'll have to see if it affects his, his mobility at all, because he's been really, he's been terrific moving around the pocket this year. Once again, you know, he sort of turned turn back the clock, especially in that regard of the last few seasons. I mean, I got to tell you, Mike, you know, in watching that game on Sunday and rewatching it, actually, um, he was 30 of 37. He had 339 yards passing. He had three touchdown passes. He had 131.9 quarterback rating. I tweeted out on Wednesday morning, they may be just getting tired of simply handing him the AFC Offensive Player of the Week honor. Obviously, Antonio Brown had a fabulous game against Tennessee in that Thursday night game. Ten catches, 140 yards, three TDs. But Brady's performance against the Raiders, under difficult conditions, considering he started the game uh, in high tempo to try and, at altitude to try and catch the Raiders off guard, which he did, he winded them, mm-hmm. um, and play at that level – that was as surgical a game I think he has had all year. And, yes, I'm including the Saints game, and, yes, I'm including the Texans game. Oh, yeah, I think it was his best performance w- without question. Um, and, you know, I, I mentioned the Del Rio thing. It reminded me a lot of that playoff game, and I'm, I, I keep screwing up yeah. the year, but it's the 26 for 28 for 269, I think it was, and three touchdowns where, uh, look, it – a lot of times it looks easy for him because, as we, we know, he has all the answers to the test, as he told us. Um, but it does. It's like some of those throws are so simple, and you say, yeah, the defense. And, yeah, there's, there's blame on their side for not, for not adjusting or not, not differing things up for, to, to try and, you know, at least slow down Brady even in the remotest possible way. But he, he's able to decipher it so quickly that you, you just – he takes the easy throws, but he finds the easy throws. And that's the thing. It's just, it was surgical. It was just, he destroyed them. They, they, I'm not surprised. Like I said, I'm not surprised they fired the DC and they probably should have thought about firing the head coach. Cause I just think that they were, they were completely outclassed. And if they, you know, it's the team we talked about maybe even last year before the car injury, like they seem like they're on a collision course. And now you see them up close and personal and you say, <laughs> they're not even in the same not even in the same uh, county, country, whatever. They're just, I mean, that was, that was an embarrassment. They absolutely were just outclassed, outcoached, outperformed. Just, it was gross on their part. You were there, right, Mike, obviously? No, we did not. Uh, this oh. is the first game I have missed in a bazillion and one years. Is that right? Um, yeah, they, they, so I was out in Colorado Springs. I was there the whole week, and I guess, um, there's a policy for NBC sports. I'm not quite clear on, but there might've involved. We might've needed a security team, which would have cost about a bazillion dollars. So oh, yeah. Really? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I flew home on Saturday and covered the game, uh, covered the game in front of the computer on, on Sunday in the TV and wrote up afterwards. And um, yeah, it was a little odd. I got to tell you, I don't, I can't recall the, uh, the last time I did not see a Patriots regular season or playoff game in person, but uh uh, I guess uh, having talked to some of my brethren that went to uh, to Mexico City, I didn't necessarily miss all that much. Yeah, and I, I got to tell you, I, obviously I'm not traveling as much this year. That is not a trip I would have looked forward to or planned for. I would have enjoyed going to Denver and, as you did do, spend a week oh, out yeah. at the Air Force yeah. Academy. That looked spectacular. What was that like at even higher altitude than yeah. uh, Denver? 
Well, a pretty pretty phenomenal setup. I mean, the Air Force obviously laid out the Air Force Academy laid out the, uh, the red carpet for the Patriots. Um, the facility, the, first of all, the campus there is gorgeous. It's 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 huge, uh, and there is far more green space than uh, most campuses have. Um, and obviously, there are running trails and all these other workout areas for the for the for the student athletes. And uh, it's just a pretty unique experience. I think a lot of Patriot players were. Uh, impressed by, you know, not only the campus and the facilities, but just the overall uh, commitment of these student athletes. You know, they, the coach Calhoun came in and spoke to the Pats and told them about, you know, hey, my guys don't just play football. You know, they have a full class load. And oh, by the way, survival training, leadership training, the survival training. I'm sure people have probably read by now, like his guys, you know, it's all his athletes, and it happens to everybody there. They get dumped in the mountains for two, three weeks with a backpack and a gun and they're told they have to survive because this is what life could be like for you out, out in the field one day. And, um, the fact that they can do that and you ask the Patriot players and, you know, Harmon and Gilmore, I mean, Gilmore was like dumbfounded. He's like, man, I don't know where I'd sleep. I don't know what I would kill. I don't know how I'd do it. You know? And I was like, that's totally, you know, Duran, that's totally not for me. James White, same thing. Like, I don't think I can handle that. Even Gronk, you know, like, Oh, if I had to, I could do it. Okay. What animals would you kill? I don't know. I really like animals. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a whole a different prototypical uh, Gronk. answer. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, he, he was laughing. We were laughing. Uh, but yeah, just uh, a very unique experience and um, different in the sense, you know, they did that a few years ago when they went to from Green Bay to San Diego and spent the week out in San Diego, but I think has the similar capabilities. And, and I kind of felt like this team prior to Denver, sort of get a sense in the locker room that they, they felt good about where they were, that things were coming together. And I think this only added to it, to be able to go to Denver and to spend a week with each other and then go into Mexico City and just absolutely embarrass the, the Raiders like that, I think is really affirmation that, once again, what we're doing is the right thing, how we're being coached is the right way, and if we just keep on this path and we keep trying to improve every day, as boring as that may sound, that at the end of this journey – we could very well be in Minneapolis playing for another Super Bowl. And that, of course, is the uh, that's what this is all about to begin with. No doubt the NFL did the Patriots a favor scheduling the Broncos in Denver um, leading into Mexico City. That was part of the grand plan and kind of, you know, a hat tip to Robert Kraft, I think, by the NFL to say, hey, look, you know, you, you play in Denver one <laughs> week, you're at altitude, you can stay in Colorado. And then because I'm sure Bill Belichick wasn't the only person thinking about the altitude going from Denver to Mexico City it's not nearly as drastic as uh, of an adjustment as Oakland did staying for whatever reason staying at sea level and then trying to go to altitude in Mexico City of nearly 8,000 feet yeah because they're a Mickey Mouse organization or at least they're being run like one uh I mean they were just there last I don't know I, I honestly last uh, year right you know, if you'd ask me yeah, if you had asked me before the year, you know, who, who's who's going to give the Patriots a run for their money, you know, you're putting the Raiders in the conversation just based on the offensive talent that they have and a couple of the pieces they have on defense. Khalil Mack, obviously the reigning defensive player of the year in the NFL. But my caution with them has always been Del Rio because we just, we've seen it, we've seen it too many times here in New England. We've seen what the Patriots have done to Jacksonville um, when Jacksonville had some terrific teams. Uh, and the Patriots ended their season and usually ended it fairly easily. So I just think there's something about Del Rio. Um, 
you know, the, the chess, chess versus checkers line. And maybe that's just the way the entire league is, you know, the coaching in the, across the board in the league, you know, who's the second best coach. Sometimes it changes from week to week in this league. And that's, and I think that just shows you the big difference and the big gap between Belichick and his staff and, and what everybody else is throwing out there. So I'm going to clean up some bookkeeping here. That Jacksonville game you spoke of against Jack Del Rio yes. was, uh, as a matter of fact, the first playoff game of the 2007 uh, run, as a matter ah, of fact. There you 26 go. of 28, Brady was that night, that 31 to 20 uh, Patriots win. He That's uh, 92.86%, 262 <laughs> yards, three TDs, and a rating of 141 point four. Oh, my god yep i just remember that my you you were there like i remember that game like it was yesterday in the sense that it just you're just like he, he's never going to throw an incomplete pass no you know and even and even the other night when he threw the uh, the other day against the, uh, the raiders you know 11 for 11 and the first incomplete pass is from 50 yards down the field you know so it's like uh it, it just yeah it's it, it is it's remarkable to watch I don't uh, know if, the efficiency. Yeah, I don't know if one or two of those incompletions were drops, but I have a, I vaguely remember, recall without looking it up, um, that uh, one of those two incompletions that night against Jacksonville uh, in January of '08 was a drop. So you know he was responsible. 20, could have been twenty-seven for twenty-eight. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I want to move on uh, to somebody else. And the news just broke here on on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. The Kansas City Chiefs, boy, have has the uh, specter of their season and, you know, the perspective of their season changed since they beat the Patriots on opening night at, at Gillette Stadium. On Wednesday, they go out and sign Darrell Revis to a two-year deal. Here are the, here's the uh, details of the contract. Minimum wage plus some incentives, uh, minimum contract, I should say, for a veteran yeah. uh, for this year with some incentives, then a $10 million kicker for 2018 if he makes the roster at the start of the NFL uh, calendar year. So Darrell Rivas in the final weeks of 2017 has a lot to play for. Greg Suttons, he's defensive coordinator out in Kansas City, somebody he's played for before. What do you think? I think that there are issues that the, as the second corner spot sort of made this a, you know, is he in shape? Okay. He, he seems to be in shape. He, you know, and that's the classic thing about him, you know, um, 208. Well, what did you play at when you were at your best? 205. What would you play at with the Jets last year? I was a heck of a lot above that. So <laughs> I'm sure the Jets love to hear that as they continue to have to pay him his 39 million guaranteed. Um, but I, yeah, I don't think there's much. I don't think there's much much risk here. The player, as you mentioned, there's incentives for him to perform well, not just this year, but you know, kind of carry it over into next year if he really wants it. And there's no uh, financial penalty for the team to walk away before rosters have to be set in stone before next season. So uh, it's, I, I guess it's worth a shot. But again, it just goes to show you how far and how different, how far they've fallen, and how different the tenor of their season because. They were the best team in September, and they were the best team in September by a long shot. And now they're scrapping and clawing, um, trying to hang on to, you know, well, they're, they're probably already kissing the first round bye goodbye. Now you're, you're scratching and clawing on to, to holding the division lead and, and at least getting a one home playoff game. But that's, again, another difference between the Patriots and everybody else. You know, it's all great that you come out and look great in September and you, 
you're awesome, but now are you improving? No, they're not. They're going in the wrong direction. Meanwhile, the Patriots, uh, as we both talked about for that first month, that didn't look anything like the Patriots were used to seeing. But the next thing you know, here we are uh, at Thanksgiving when they want to be playing their best football. And sure enough, they're going to Thanksgiving playing their best football at 8-2. and two. Eric Berry is really, I think, you know, they haven't been able to replace him all year long. And I realize we're talking about a safety, but there are many people who figured that if Darrell Rivas was going to see, you know, the twilight of his career in the NFL, it would be as a safety. And maybe he'll be some type of hybrid position. Berry, if I recall correctly, blew out his Achilles against the Patriots that opening night. Yes, he did. Yeah. And uh, that was a tough blow for them. But, you know, initially they survived it, but now you're, you're looking at that's a team that's kind of interesting in, in some ways in the way they use their secondary. They're a huge three-safety team, much like the Patriots with Chung, Harmon, and McCourty. And they've still stayed as a huge three-safety team. In fact, I think they have more snaps with three safeties on the field than all but the Patriots and one other team are sort of in this. I'm, I, I did a story on it, and I'm, it's blanking on the, who the third team was, but they're, they were uh, a scotia ahead of the pass in this other team in terms of deploying the three safeties, but they stuck with that. And look, there's a, I mean, I don't, you could have a good player behind Eric Berry, but you mentioned it. Eric Berry is a, he's a game changer for them. He's the kind of guy that, you know, he's in the conversation for defensive player of the year. I mean, he's just, he's that kind of player. And we've seen him make a bunch of big plays and certainly he made some in that game versus the Patriots. So that's a huge loss for them. And now they're, you know, scratching and clawing, trying to figure out exactly how to make up for that loss and I don't you know I don't think you can I think it's uh, I think what's going to unfold in Kansas City this Sunday is a fascinating uh is fascinating theater because Buffalo's 5 and 5 and Kansas City is 6 and 4 both are leaking oil badly and I yeah. think the winner of that game probably finds its bearings uh the loser of that game especially if it's the Bills I don't know. I, I I think the Bills are toast if they lose that game. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think you're right. I think if the Bills drop that one, stick a fork in them, it's, it's over. Um, you know, if they get a win, maybe they get a kick and uh, you know a little boost. And obviously, they got to look at two games ahead with the with the Patriots. Um, so you know, I guess they could say to themselves, "All right, we rose up and we beat Kansas City. Now we're going to have to at least get one from the Patriots of these two. So that, that would give them a chance. But if they lose. I could see that thing going in the completely wrong direction. Bill Belichick spoke about this um, a little bit on Wednesday. Stephen Guskowski, everybody knows about his 62 and 51-yard field goals at altitude in Mexico City, 4-4. He's having a sensational year. But I think what he's doing on kickoffs this year, and Belichick you know, thinks he's made tremendous growth over the course of his career in directional kickoffs. Is this the best year of his career? It certainly feels that way, and I know he had the he had the one game um, at home where he missed two of his three kicks this year, two of his three field goals, and there's you know a lot of like, uh, consternation about that performance. But and I've said it a million times to whoever said, "Ah, oh, they needed competition." Well, I think they kind of know that maybe that's not necessarily the best thing for for Steven and his and his mindset. And but I also think that what he does in that part of the game, what you're talking about, the kickoff aspect of it, is dramatically underplayed. You know, once again, just sort of being on top of the way the league was changing and trying to get rid of the kick returns. And instead of hammering the ball through the end zone, these directional kicks with a lot of air underneath them, 
you know, all these teams, you're starting at the 25 because they're still hammering the ball through the end zone, uh, but you're sticking teams inside the 20 still because of these angled kicks towards the pylon and, and getting the height. And obviously, as we well know, they've invested a lot of money and, and roster capital and special teams players. Um, and it, it makes a huge difference. I mean, back if you want any, any, if you want to get any more deeper into what Guskowski means to this football team, just go back to the Super Bowl and look at the second half possessions for Atlanta after the Patriots scored and where they were on the field. And that was coverage teams, but also the guy that was kicking the ball and putting a lot of air under it. They really, really put Atlanta in a hole repeatedly in that second half. And, you know, 15, 20 yards can mean all the difference in the world. Uh, and as and you kind of saw that as, as that game played out. All right. It's Thanksgiving. Enough of the serious football talk. I want to talk about a serious issue or a serious subject with Mike Giardi. He was a high school quarterback. And in celebration of Thanksgiving feast football in New England and in Massachusetts, where did you play and what was playing on Thanksgiving like for you? And I encourage you, Mike, to embellish as much as you like because what's Thanksgiving without all the fixings? Yeah, the tall, Go. tall tale. Uh, so I was a Norwood High School kid. We moved from uh, Falmouth after my freshman year. My father was my head football coach. He was my brother's coach at Falmouth. Um, my first year, my sophomore year, we beat Dedham. Uh, the little uh, pipsqueak safety who started on defense also was the uh, holder for field goals and extra points. Scooped up a, uh, a bad snap and uh, ran in for the two-point conversion off the bad snap. little fire call. That was uh, the high moment for me on Thanksgiving. My junior year, Dedham turned into a Super Bowl team, um, which is something they hadn't been, I don't think, ever. And they matched us pretty good. Um, and I remember uh, being run over a couple times in that game. I was not the biggest fella. I remember that. I remember being very upset. <laughs> yeah. I was. Uh, I remember being very upset and not really wanting to have any turkey. But eventually, you know, I came around. In my senior year, they were also a Super Bowl team, Denim was. Uh, we played them terrifically close in the first half. Uh, yours truly had about a 55-yard uh, catch and run. Uh, I was dragged down behind from a guy named Derek Sawyer, who was one of the fastest kids in the state. Uh, some of my teammates will never let me forget that because on these, I think it was the very next play or two plays later, our quarterback decided to blow off the uh, proper reads, which was get the ball to Giardi in the flat, and he decided to throw it to the flag. That ball was picked off. It was run back 80 yards, and let's just say after that, uh, the game got rather lopsided quite quickly. I will say there was a highlight to that, you know, because – like a lot of kids and a lot of even now, you know, people that are removed from it, you know, you turn into Mike Lynch or whatever your local news station of choice is, but Lynch was always my guy and watch Lynchy and uh, Mike Dowling was at the game. They covered that game. Got him trying to get the Super Bowl, And I was all over the highlights because I was making touchdown saving tackles left and right uh, in that game. So I think I, I think it was like a minute long clip of five or six plays. And I think I was in every single one of them. Uh, usually catching somebody from behind and preventing them from getting the long touchdown. And just so everybody knows, I was the safety. Those weren't my guys. So that, They weren't my guys. That's your first demo reel in TV. <laughs> yes, So absolutely. to speak, right? At, at the age of 18, that's right. That's not too bad. At the bad. age of 18. I appreciate you sharing that with us, Mike. You know what else I'd like you to share? Sure. How we can find you on social media. 
and your uh, employer. Yes. Uh, so it is at, at Mike Giardi, G-I-A-R-D-I. That's my Twitter. Facebook is facebook.com slash I'm Mike Giardi. Uh, and we are NBC Sports Boston. We've made that uh, name conversion and uh, affiliate conversion, what do you say now, about a month and a half. Um, it's Sounds starting right. to roll off the tongue now, NBC Sports Boston. And uh, you can catch us, uh, let's see, we got Monday Night Patriots starring yours truly and Dan Copen at 6 o'clock every Monday. Um, my boy Kern on Quick Slants Tuesday at 6. So we have a different football show at 6 every night. And then uh, early edition and uh, Boston Sports Tonight wrap out the uh, the evening. So we uh, we have you covered, your sporting needs, and pretty much can, all day long. And you can follow NBC Sports Boston on Twitter, at NBCS Boston. Please do tell your bosses that I threw that in after your spiel. <laughs> would you do that? I, I, I would absolutely do that. And that's uh, at track, T-R-A-G-S. Yes, indeed it is. Stay with CLNS all day on game day, starting with the CLNS Media New England Patriots post uh, pregame show with Alex Barth a half hour before every game. Then you can catch the postgame show with Marvin Izon and Mike Molino live after every single game on CLNSmedia.com. Subscribe to both on iTunes and Stitcher and YouTube now. Also, get daily team updates on the Patriots Newsfeed podcast with Tyler Trudeau, which is also available on the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show feed, available again on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and the CLNS Media mobile app. Thanks again for downloading today's Patriots Beat. want to once again thank our guest, Mike Giardi, for taking time out of his Thanksgiving commute down to the Cape. From, he is, of course, uh, from NBC Sports Boston. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Giardi. You can also give us a follow at Patriots underscore beat and at CLNS Media. Also give my own personal account a follow at Trags, T-R-A-G-S. Today's sponsor, DraftKings. For Patriots content manager Mike Alonghi, CLNS Media executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of the network Nick Gelso, thanks to everyone who tuned in. This is Mike Petralia, and this is the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of the CLNS Media Network, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice. And live on CLNS Radio immediately after every single pass game, call in at 929-477-2386 toll-free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorries of the day, Twitter posts for the plays of the game, and everything else that is going on with the five-time Super Bowl champion. Subscribe to CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show on iTunes and Stitcher. And the best way, download the free CLNS Media Network mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere.